0: Good morning. I hope that's not me crackling. Well, good morning. Welcome to you all, uh, those here in person, those joining us online. My name is Brian Emmett, and I'm again filling in this morning for our sabbaticaling pastor Alex. As we come to worship the Lord by attending to Scripture, let's pray. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Lord, you have said that the entrance of your word brings light. We pray that our hearts and our lives would be open for the entrance of your word this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, our strength and our song. Amen. Well, last week uh, we explored what I suggested was the most important question and the answer. The question, and it was a Jesus question, was what do you want? And the answer I proposed was we want to live. We want the things that we want and we do all the things we do to get the things we want because we think that that's how we'll find and maintain life. That's how we'll live. But if we really and truly want to live, we must move towards Jesus because Jesus is where life lives. So this morning we're going to do kind of the most important question, part 2 or part two if you will. Once again, I'm going to offer you what I think is a most important question and the answer as well. So here's the question. Who are you? When we're meeting somebody for the first time, when we're introducing ourselves or someone is introducing themselves to us, we say things like, Um, Hi, I'm Brian Emmett, and uh, oh yeah, next thing, yeah, what do I do? Uh, I'm a retired pastor, Uh, I do some um, personal coaching, um, personal details, Uh, yeah, married to Kathy, uh, father to, to three, grandfather to seven, three of whom are here this morning, we call that grandfatherly privilege, you know, when your grandkids are here, you get to point to them. I'm sorry for the popping. Should I do something or did I? Yeah. Yeah. Da 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 da. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, we don't have to start all over again. So, somebody you're getting to know them; they're getting to know you, and we have all of these things that we talk about. And um, I could tell you that I was uh, born in Detroit, midway through the last century. Uh, I'm a Christian. I became a follower of Jesus my freshman year in college. I'm Dick and Nancy's middle child and their only son between my two sisters. And I could go on for a while longer listing more facts and information about myself. And if you were interested in getting to know me, all that might be really helpful and interesting to you. But At the end of all my lists, if you were still interested in really getting to know me, you might ask, but who are you really? Well, I could go on with some more data points. I could tell you about my education. I could maybe get one of those ancestry DNA pie charts, and that would tell you some more things about me. I could tell you about what I love, about the people I love, about the things that matter most to me, and even if after after I had done all of that, told you as much about myself as I could possibly come up with, it wouldn't be totally unfair of you to ask, but who are you really? Who are you is such a critical question because the lives that we live follow and flow from how we see ourselves and whether or not we see God as part of the picture. If an individual or a community says there is no God or that God is far off and uninvolved and uninterested, that will shape the way we live. If we conclude about ourselves that we're mainly meat machines trying to get our DNA to the next generation, that will shape the way we live. If we see ourselves as cosmic accidents or mistakes, if we see ourselves as the measure of all things, the center of the universe, it will shape the way we live, the kinds of lives we live, the kind of people we are becoming, and the kind of world that we will build. And, The enemy of our souls is always attacking us along two lines. The first line of attack always has to do with the identity of God. And the second line of attack is always an attack on your identity. The enemy's purpose is to give us either a false view of who God really is or a false view of who you and I and we really are, preferably a false view of both. So think for a minute about the various struggles you've had over the course of your life. How many of them had, at their root, a false understanding of God's goodness and character or a false view of yourself? How many times have you fallen for that most ancient of tricks? The Garden of Eden question. When the serpent comes to Adam and Eve and says, did God really say? And that's always followed up with an attack on the nature of God. What the servant said to Adam and Eve is, Did God really say this? And then proceeds to say, God's holding out on you. God's not really uh, for you. You've got to, if, if good is going to come to you, if good is going to happen, you're going to have to go out and find it and maintain it all by yourself. How many times have you fallen for a false understanding of yourself? I am my work. I am number one. I'm the center. I am what I earn or produce. I am a good person. Or perhaps the flip side of those things. I'm a nobody. I'm invisible. I'm disqualified. Not worthy of anyone's attention or care or love. So this question, who are you, who am I, grappling with the true source of where our identity really comes from is fundamental to a life well-lived. To know who I truly am will arm me against the many dead-end identity pathways we are confronted with every day. It will equip us for life's inevitable times of struggle and loss. It will prevent and protect us from arrogance, self-centeredness, and self-seeking. And it will free us to become the kind of people who can love our neighbors because we know we are loved by God. We always seek to find our identity in something. In my work, in my education, in my marital status, in my ethnicity, and so on. We all want to be a unique individual. Does anybody here not want to be unique? Right? We all want to be a unique individual. But you can't really do that apart from being in something larger than yourself. How many of you can remember being teenage rebels? How many of you are teenage rebels still today, right? You remember how all we rebels pretty much dress the same way talk the same way listen to the same music watch the same movies actually probably thought most of the same thoughts we worked hard to look and sound different from them but we sure looked and sounded a lot like us so many of our identity issues and problems arise because of what we try to find our identity in if who I understand myself to be is my job, and I get fired, what happens to me? Where is my identity now? If I seek to ground my sense of who I am in my accomplishments and my productivity, what happens when I fail to produce or for some reason can no longer produce? If I read myself through the lens of how my friends or various social groups see me and then they change, they reject me for some reason, where does that leave me? Who am I really? All of our modern sources of the self, the sources and places in which we seek to know who we really are, always end up leaving us as hostages we are held hostage to our careers, to our wealth, our social status, our reputation, our performance, and so on. Striving to be unique, we end up enslaved. So that's the question for this morning. Who are you really? Now, let me propose the answer. Who you really are is the you that God knows you to be in Christ. Who you really are is who you are in Christ. So let's unpack this a little bit and let's let the Apostle Paul be a a guide to us. Here's one place where Paul talks about his identity. Uh, He's writing to the Christians in in Philippi and here's what he says first. If uh, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh... Another way to think about confidence in the flesh is if anybody is really secure that you know who you are and where you're going, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Do you hear some identity in there? Paul has a pretty established and secure identity, right? He would have said that he knew exactly who he was, and he was pretty self-confident about it. And then it all shattered. Here's what Paul says next. But whatever were gains from me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. So Paul's old sense of who he was was shattered by an encounter with Jesus Christ and then he was granted as a gift of God's grace a new identity, an identity that was no longer in Paul and in what Paul was able to do, it was in Christ. It wasn't that Paul got to know Paul better. Paul got to know Jesus and being found in Christ He found himself. His identity shifted from being something he had to achieve and maintain through his own efforts to being something he received as a gift from God and then got to open up and unpack for the rest of his life as he gave his life and service to our Master Jesus. So, Let's listen a bit more to Paul this morning for some further insight into this idea of who are you. Who you really are is who you are in Christ. You are the you that Jesus knows you to be. I want to listen to how Paul opens his letters to the Christians in Ephesus. And as we read and listen, I'll be using the message version, message translation of Scripture for this passage. I want you to just be alert to how this passage communicates about our identity, your identity in Christ. How blessed is God, Paul wrote, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations... He had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. What identity markers or indicators did you hear there? In Christ, we have been brought into relationship with the God of all blessings. The Father who is both the blesser and the blessing. We've been adopted into the Father's family in and through Jesus Christ. Long before God created the universe, he had us in mind. He had already settled on us as the focus of his love. So who are you in Christ? You're adopted. You're beloved. You're blessed. You're chosen. You're the focus of God's love. This is part of who you really are right here, right now, in Christ. Let's listen a bit more to Paul writing to Ephesus. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Did you catch it? It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. The good news that your identity is ultimately in Christ means that there is a whole lot more to you than you have any idea about. Look at the people around you and say, there's a whole lot more than you have any idea about or that I have any idea about. There's more to you, there's more to the you that Christ knows you to be than your parents know, that your friends know, that the Myers-Briggs little tool thing can give you, the Enneagram, disc, strength finders, all those kinds of tools that we're so enamored of. And why are we so enamored of? Because we're trying to find out who we really are. And all of those things can be of some help. Parents, friends, you know, different tools like Myers-Briggs or whatever. All of those can be helpful. But at the end of the day, it's still the question, who are you really? They can help, but they can't really deliver you home to who you really are. Jesus not only sees you whole... Through the cross, he has made you whole and complete in him. Helpful as all those other things can be, they can't die for your sins. They can't reconcile you to God. They can't make you right and whole and bring you truly alive. But Jesus can. So if the question is, who are you? And the best answer is, you are the you that God already knows you to be in Christ, your deepest and truest identity is not an accomplishment that you have to assert and defend. It's a gift you get to receive and then unpack and enjoy for the rest of time and eternity. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. When the grace of God leads you to faith in Jesus, God places you in Christ. Here's you. Here's Christ. Not an elaborate example, but maybe it would be helpful. When you, by grace, through faith, become a follower of Jesus, God changes your location. He relocates you in Christ. Your identity is no longer secured by who you are and what you do. It is secured by who Jesus is and all that he has done, is doing, and promises to do. God does not erase you when he places you in Christ. And nor does God simply hand you a little ticket that describes you. You know, here's your seat. Uh, You're going to live here. You're going to have this job. You're going to do this and that. End of story, here you go, take your seat, sit down, shut up. God doesn't do that. God places you in Christ because it's only from within that relationship that you can fully become who you truly are. You were God's idea to begin with, and when God finally finishes his good work of forming Christ in you and forming you in Christ, oh my. You are more spectacular than you ever imagined. And so are the rest of the people around you. Look at somebody and say, more spectacular still. So, what I want to do now is give us some basics a starting point, some ABCs, if you will, of your identity, your true identity in Jesus. So yes, I'm going to start with the letter A, then the letter B, letter C. No, I am not going to go through all 26 letters in the alphabet. But what I hope to do is by engaging a few of these ABCs of your identity in Christ, you'll want to play with filling out the whole alphabet yourself. might be a good... Personal or family Bible study—you don't have to do all twenty-six letters. Could be fun to try, and the overall exercise will be truly good for your soul. So, what does God's Word say about who I am, who you are, who we are in Christ? Well, let's go back to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, which we listened to a little uh, a little already this morning. Um. And as we listen, listen for those ABC words. Another way you could get at this if you wanted to do this at home is just get a, you know, one of those Bible programs like Bible Gateway or something and just do a word search on in Christ, in Him. And you'll be good to go. So, A is for adopted and therefore accepted. Adopted. You were outside. But now in Christ, you've brought inside. You've been brought inside. You didn't belong, but now in Christ, you belong. Accepted means that you're welcomed, you are received gratefully and joyfully. You are a full member of the family. You're not on the bench. You're not the B team. You're not the C team or the D team or not on the team. You've been adopted. You're accepted. You belong. Does Jesus accept you because you've done everything right? Does he only pick the perfect peaches? No. Your adoption and acceptance are based on who Christ is and what he has done and that you are now by faith in Him. So what will keep this ABC exercise from being merely informational and release it instead to be transformational is by asking some behavior questions. If you've been adopted by God's love and grace how would you act? If you really knew that how would you behave? I think you'd be eager to learn and live the family ways. You start to see your siblings differently and maybe even treat them differently. You might become more alert to everyone who has been orphaned in some way or other and consider how you could let them know that they can be adopted, accepted, and welcomed just as you have been. So that's a key to this exercise. What does each of these letters look like when it's lived out in your life? This is not a matter of fake it until you make it. It's behave and you'll believe it. Believing directs behavior and behavior deepens and enriches believing. A is for adopted and accepted. B is for beloved. With what kind of love does God the Father love Jesus his son? infinite, unending, unfailing, never changing. And if you're in Christ, you are in that love. Can you start to see Well, you might you might say, well, sure God loves Jesus cuz Jesus is perfect, but I'm not. Where's your identity? If your identity is in you, yeah. You're not consistently lovely yet. You're not consistently lovable. Where's your real identity? In you or in Christ? In Christ, you are beloved. God looks at you the way God looks at Jesus. How good is that? you should say something like, that's really good. That's really pretty amazing. Can you start to see how this secures us, grants us rest and peace, helps us move out of our self-centeredness and all of our self-obsessions? Can you see how knowing that who you really are is that you are God's beloved in Christ, sets you free to learn, to live in love? Okay, C is for chosen. In Christ, you have been chosen to be holy and blameless. How many of you get what you always want or what you always choose? Yeah, none of us gets what we always choose. But you know what? God gets always what God chooses. And God has chosen you in Christ to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's who you really are. When it comes to holiness and blamelessness, how does God the Father see Jesus the Son? That's the holiness and blamelessness you are already in, in Christ. The journey of your life in Christ is to live your way in the power of God's Spirit into the fullness of the holiness and blamelessness in Christ that God has already chosen. For you. What would you act like if you really believed that? So I think you get the idea. Now, some of you probably are thinking ahead, what about Q and X and Z? So quickly, here you go oh, uh, the letter Q, X, and Z, word that goes with it, scripture about who you are in Christ. Q is for qualified. Here's a scripture. Paul's writing to um, the Christians in Colossae, and he he talks about, um, you're the people who are giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Any of you ever experienced disqualification? (laughs) Any of you experienced not having made the cut? Any of you ever struggle with disqualifying yourself? for something I'm not good enough nobody wants me I could never I'm too weak I'm you know but in Christ you're qualified you're qualified by God not by you but you're qualified by God to share in the inheritance of the Saints in the kingdom of light. okay that was Q how about X X is for the excellent way. Yeah, I know this one, it, 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 it limps a little bit. But um, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, um, now I will show you the most excellent way. In Christ, you have been initiated, you have been brought into the most excellent way, the Jesus way, the way of love. You were created by loved created by love, saved by love, that you might live a life of love. How excellent is that? Yes, you're right. The excellent way is the way of the cross. Getting to know who we really are in Christ does not mean that life ceases to have problems, struggles, questions of all kinds. What it does mean is that whatever life sends you, you will know who you really are. And knowing that, you will know how to behave, how to carry yourself, how to represent your king and his kingdom faithfully, regardless of what circumstances you find yourself in. And last, Z is for zealous. Paul wrote to Titus about our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works nope your good works are not earning you anything from God they simply indicate that you understand who you really are in Christ okay that was six out of 26 letters You're on your own for the rest of them. Well, you're not completely on your own because if you like on your way out, here's a little take home. I gave you my version of ABCs of our identity in Christ and this is my, how I came up with it. I promise you, if you pick this up and take a look at it, you'll find all the things I missed about our identity in Christ because whatever's here, there's more. So you can pick that up on your way home if you like. If you're watching us online there's a uh, link in the show more section to that uh, to this little bookmark idea. I hope you do it. I had all kinds of fun when I did this a number of years ago and what you'll find is for a lot of the letters in fact for all of them you're going to have a hard time limiting it to just one letter. When you get to the letter R, for example, do you go with ransomed, redeemed, reconciled, rescued, raised, or restored? Just do them all because that's who you are in Christ. Okay, just one more letter, okay? I promise. This is the last one. T. T is for together. Who you are in Christ is not a path you walk all by yourself. You cannot become who you are in Christ without walking closely with others who are living their way into who they are in Christ. What Paul wrote to the Ephesians is we are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, not I am God's workmanship in Christ Jesus. Who you really are is in Christ, and that's more like a symphony or a mosaic than simply something you cobble together all alone by yourself in your garage. Jesus is the author and finisher of who you really are. And he uses all kinds of instruments and tools, all kinds of colors and sounds, all manner of people and experiences to mold you into the you he already knows you to be in Christ. You don't make yourself into a God. Instead, God makes you into yourself. In Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we are known and loved by you in Christ Jesus, your Son, our Lord. Thank you that your love in Christ, your grace in Christ, your salvation in Christ is the safe and secure place in which we can become the people you have created And called us to be in Jesus. Thank you that the good work that you have begun in each one of us, you will be faithful to carry to completion in Christ. Holy Spirit, please clarify our vision, open our minds, conform our thoughts and our behavior and our lives to who we are in Christ, in whose name we pray together. Amen.